Hello and welcome back to another Digital Foundry E3 Direct. Uh, this one's a little different though because I'm joined by two different folks, but equally interesting, I would say. Uh, first of all, we have Audie Surly up there. Hey, how's it going, John? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, and our special guest today is, of course, Modern Vintage Gamer himself. Welcome back. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. Am I replacing Rich? Is that is that what I am? My, you, my Rich's replacement for this? You you have become the new Rich. Congratulations. Okay. Congrats. All right. S signed his contract. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll I'll do a good job and fill in his shoes. Um, you know. I I it's think not, it, it's nothing not to worry about. <laughs> it's not too hard. It's not too hard to overcome, Rich. So, Fantastic. You'll do just fine. Just so I don't guess, fall asleep, and you're already halfway there. There you go, exactly. And that's kind of why you're here, because Rich might have fallen asleep during some of the stuff we're discussing today. Because it's not everything is here. Duh. It's not necessarily up his alley. That's okay. Yep. But we're going to be talking about a lot of the stuff that happened at the show uh, that we didn't talk about during the Xbox presentation uh, direct, and that includes obviously Nintendo. That includes Square Enix stuff. Not that there's that much. It includes some, you know, the Ubisoft stuff. And most importantly, I think number all one the on Capcom the list, stuff. Mm. Yeah, all the Capcom stuff. And of course, the Gearbox stuff. I mean, they showed so much there. Um, and then <laughs> this last... will be a three hour uh, special <laughs> as we need to get through all the Gearbox Oh, we'll talk about the limited run games announcements, perhaps, the interesting ones. Uh, we'll I don't talk like about. Those guys. I don't uh, like anyone of the limited run. <laughs> All right, but what about the <laughs> Television Amico? Oh, I love those guys. We got to talk about that. Yeah. We're going to talk about all that stuff today. The thing that I think surprised them, us the most yesterday, Metroid Dread. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, this is a big one because they started by calling it Metroid 5. Mm -hmm. But they settled on Dread, which is sort of like a callback to the old DS game that kept sort of emerging back in the day. It's like, oh, there's a new 2D Metroid game coming for DS. Metroid Dread, and I think there was even some footage out there of There's this being pictures shown. at least. But it never came to pass, of course, and here we are now, developed by Mercury Steam, which did the Metroid 2 remake, uh, Samus Returns, which was pretty good. Uh, and this, one, this one's for Switch, and it's 60 frames per second, unlike that last game. Uh, so what do you guys, what, what do you guys think of this then? Uh, Audi first. I'm very happy to see Metroid back. Uh, I'm very glad to see that they're kind of continuing this style that's been set up with Super Metroid and the Metroid Fusion. And then continuing, of course, with the 5 uh, title. Uh, really happy to see that it's 60 frames per second, uh, first of all. Uh, yeah. And uh, I love the atmosphere so far we're seeing. Like, uh, we saw some interesting uh, water physics happen in the Treehouse oh, special yeah, that was yeah, after. Yeah. That was really cool. Uh, it's not so much in the trailer, but you saw it a lot in the Treehouse special where you can manipulate the water. So it seems to be like some new physics-based uh, puzzles being involved there. And uh, also a lot more stealth elements. Uh, we saw that in Zero Mission. And then Fusion, there's a little bit of it. But uh, they seem to have kind of included a bit more of that stealth element. And I think that fits in perfectly fine with Metroid. Yeah, I was I was um, very impressed. Uh, you know, there's been talk about a 2D Metroid for a while now. There's there was a lot of rumors around um, 2D Metroid. I, I mean, I've heard about 
a 2D Metroid in development for about a year now. Um, but of course, you know, rumors are rumors and you never really know what's what's going to come out of that. Metroid Prime 4 was another game that, you know, is in development, which they didn't really, well, they didn't show anything of that, right? But they kind of pivoted towards this 2D Metroid, which I thought looked excellent. Um, for me, it was probably the best part of the Nintendo show that they they showed off. Um, I'm all about it. I, I love the the art style. I love the um, the 2D-ness of the game. And look, it just, it, it, you can tell that they've put a lot of care and attention into this one. This is not just a, um, I don't want to say it's just a cash grab because I don't think any Metroid was ever, ever that, especially because, I mean, generally speaking, Metroids haven't really sold very well, compar comparatively speaking, to other Nintendo franchises. So there's there's a little more there, you know, for people to, to you know, to, to think about. But um, I I think the game's excellent and I can't wait to play. I already pre-ordered the, uh, the limited edition thing that they've got going on, so... Uh, I'm, a big I'm trying to pre-order it. I'm a big Metroid. We're both fan. trying here in Europe. Uh, it's being it's not, uh, being it's difficult. Trickier. Yeah, uh, I bet. I bet. Um, but no, it, it it looks it looks fantastic, and I can't wait. And I'm I'm glad that it's coming out. You know, in the not too distant future as well. That's not something that we we have to wait a while for. So very very happy to see Metroid get some love at the at the direct at E3. That was kind of uh, the thing with the Nintendo Direct in general was that yep. everything is the near future and it's giving yep. consumers uh, like a taste of what's to come now, whereas the other directs were much more angled towards the future in 2022 than especially. So uh, th this makes the Direct, the Nintendo's Direct, quite exciting, right? Because it's like we're going to be playing this in mere weeks rather than you know yep. maybe next year maybe in two years depending on how the exactly. pandemic has affected the industry but uh, i was just going to quickly say with metroid um you know i was one of the few i guess that really enjoyed other m uh, maybe oh, not so too. much the story i love that oh, i think but the I gameplay think we all love it here it's it's a good okay. game yeah yeah i even have it here at my desk the japanese copy uh but uh, uh i really enjoyed other m's gameplay and I did see some nods to, for example, the melee combat, which uh, I think it was a little bit on the DS version as well. But it was, yeah, uh, yeah. I really enjoy that addition to Metroid that uh, included melee, and I'm glad to see that they're actually uh, bringing a little bit more of that back from Other M, and then of course the uh, Samus Returns remake. And uh, I think. Uh, on the uh, treehouse thing they did confirm that sakamoto was uh, very involved with this game as well it's cool i on my wish list though i really hope they bring anthony back from other m like you go to open one of the doors and like the door opens and he's standing there with that big smile it's like remember me again oh man yeah so how do you think they're going to handle kind of the the like the suspense and horror aspect of this game because you know metroids have, have done that very well um especially some of the 2d stuff you know i think about fusion obviously that that's a game fusion that, is you know, amazingly the, tense the amount, of, the amount of suspense in that game this one has a similar yeah. vibe at least from what i saw do you think they're going to to do that in this one or do you think they're going to you know take it take it way back i guess i definitely feel like they're taking it back i mean you saw they have that huge stalker creature now that looks like it's out of portal um which sort of like influenced the visual design a lot in general i think but 
there's clearly sequences where that thing is chasing you now and you have to essentially escape. They show right away in the trailer uh, up close that the weapons are doing no damage. Missiles, a normal shot, nothing can hurt it. I, I assume that at some point you will be able to attack it, but clearly they're they're sort of factoring that in in terms of plus you add the stealth stuff on top of that so it feels like they're sort of creating more of like a threat that's always present within the environment which i think is a neat idea yeah the cat and mouse to chase from fusion seems to be coming back here and uh i think that was actually my favorite part of fusion was like the evil sam is kind of showing up and using the visor and you having to hide the super tense moments and um uh, i'm glad to see that mercury stream is back to work on metroid because i think they did a great job on 3ds the sound of the trailer and the demos was really really nice i think as well it's very promising for capturing the atmosphere um and just in general i feel like their their technology has improved a lot because they had done some amazing work with the Castlevania games, but the frame rates were always poor. And then they did those two 3DS titles, which looked good, but again, lower frame rate. Uh, but this time, it looks like they've hit the required 60 FPS for smooth side-scrolling action. Uh, and I know people were saying, oh, I don't like this 2.5D kind of look. But I really think in this case, it actually looks good. And I think I said in our stream, it kind of reminded me of... Bionic Commando rearmed in a way like just the size and the way everything is kind of like uh, skewed on the screen it, it has a it has a nice look to it and the animation is very fluid it looks like it'll be very responsive so I'm feeling pretty positive about it. games done quick must have been so happy to see that a new Metroid is coming out because this will probably headline every games done quick for the next uh, two three years and I will love every single run I, I got to say, I appreciate that we have this new 2D Metroid, but then Metroid Prime 4 is still in development because that kind of takes you back to the GameCube era again where Fusion and Prime 1 were released side by side. And obviously, you know, they will not be released side by side this time, but it's cool to have two distinct Metroid games in development. Uh, and obviously when these come out, we'll talk a, a lot more about them then. But I think we should talk about some of the other stuff as well because this isn't the Metroid cast, even though... It almost could be, starting with uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. What do you think, Audie? Uh, I love hang gliding, and I'm very happy to see that we'll take part in disguise. So um, uh, this, uh, I'm kind of interested to see what they're doing with the overall world, because it does look like we're still going to be in Hyrule's, and uh, the same Hyrule that we were in in the first game. And it's interesting also to just do a sequel to a Zelda game like this, uh, where I'm sure the title will change, but at the moment it is still Breath of the Wild 2, and it's using the same uh, layout. So it's funny, I think it, it just occurred to me that that actually kind of recalls what they did with A Link Between Worlds, which kind of took place in the same world as A Link to the Past in Super NES, but uh, obviously the world had been changed and modified based on what was happening in that story. And here there's a lot of floating islands and like structures way above the world that makes me wonder what kind of event occurred within this environment to cause that. But I am a little bit, I don't know. I, I, I hope they've, I hope it's not just like more breath of the wild and they've actually found some new ideas and maybe implemented proper dungeons as well. And I don't know what it's going to be. I'm, it's still not clear from the trailer. I think, you know, a part of that is, I mean, 
this game seems like it's still very much in heavy development right now that you know even though they they put 2022 at the end of that trailer there's a good chance it could slip out of 2022 right because i mean anumasan even said you know we're we're anticipating we're hoping to get this game for next year and that's not the same thing as you know it's coming out next year right so um i think one thing that was very apparent to me with the with the breath of the wild 2 stuff was yes the trailer did look great but it also made me think wow this game you know this game still needs a little little more to go before we will get to play it um so i would expect that we don't hear anything from that game for probably a while until maybe at the end of the year you know maybe the game awards will see something more but i'm thinking you know it won't be till like next year until we hear about breath of the wild 2 again i think this is really something that nintendo kind of had to show the fans because it's been a it's been a couple of years what's been is it three years now since they showed breath of the wild to the announcement at e3 um so you know i think they just had to give an update you know it's 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 been more than enough time i think you're exactly right about that and i suspect this is where all the other zelda related stuff comes into play you know, Breath of the Wild 2, they didn't show much, but they also discussed stuff like, you know, they have the Skyward Sword remastered coming out soon, which they finally showed running at a nice smooth 60 frames per second, which uh, actually looks really good in this case. I feel like it's very fitting with that sort of art style they have. Um, so that was good. I'll be curious to see how it plays, though, because uh, they did show using the two Wii remotes. Or not Wii remotes. <laughs> I'm thinking of the original. Uh, the the Joy-Con yeah. t- for motion control, but you have to assume it's also playable without that. Mm-hmm. And how they implement that right. uh, and how that actually ends up feeling is going to be really important to whether or not the game plays well. I think, uh, uh, it, it looks like they've gone into the game and changed quite a bit uh, based yeah. on some enemy behaviors even I saw. Uh, I'm wondering if the AI has been changed even to accommodate for simpler attacks yeah and you have to remember that they have to focus or you know they have to target this thing for the switch light as well which obviously doesn't have detachable joy doesn't have anything yeah my my concern was that they would try to simulate motion control using like analog stick motions you know what i mean right oh yeah oh we'll just map this to the right stick and it'll work you know and that would be terrible so i don't think it's going to be like that but i'd be like like that obi-wan game on xbox right Oh no! Yeah, with with that uh, second second string Obi Wan uh, in- impersonator. Masters, I felt something behind their attack. Something more complicated, sinister. Then you must prepare yourself, Obi Wan. Yes. <laughs> um, but beyond that, you know, I'm actually I kind of expected to see other Zelda conversions. Like mm. they brought everything else over from the Wii U at this point, nearly. So why not bring over, like, say, Wind Waker HD or Twilight Princess HD or something like that? They, it's been heavily they, rumored, yeah, that they will be like, uh, and I'm sure I I think with those rumors, there's something. Uh, but it's just, I I don't think they wanted to show that much Zelda stuff on this direct. Uh, there was it was already 40 minutes, but also I think. Uh, like uh, MVG was saying, it's like they can't even show that much of Breath of the Wild 2. So I think by uh, over, um, what's it called? Overcompensating by showing all these other ports and uh, attempts. Like, I don't know if that's the best idea. So spreading it out over this year and next with these uh, remasters is fine. Makes sense. Plus they have the, um, the <laughs> they're doing another one of those game and watch things they announced. 
Uh, this time with Zelda 1 and 2 and the Game Boy 1 and a Game & Watch specific. I have to ask uh, MVG, I'm happy you're here. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I think you did uh, based on knowing you. I know what you're so going to say. I was, okay. Uh, when I was looking at it, I noticed that the uh, Game Boy's resolution seems to be yes. a little bit yes. stretched. I was just going to say this, yes. Dude, that was the first thing that I noticed. I was like, this Game & Watch looks cool. And then they showed Link's Awakening. I'm like, wow, that's that's fun. You know, I'll play Link's Awakening again. And then I noticed it's a 4 by 3 aspect ratio. And I'm like, the Game Boy is not 4.3. And I... I mean, look, I've seen, you know, these cheap knockoff uh, handhelds that will stretch the image. That's one thing. But Nintendo, come on. I mean, you know, make the game 10, 10 by 9 like like it's supposed to be. What do you really know about how the Game Boy works? I know what a, a, a good aspect ratio looks like, and that was the first thing. That was the first thing that that I noticed. And I was like, "Man, that's that's such a shame that they did that," you know. But that's actually a real problem for a product like this because they're using a low resolution LCD screen. There is no screen that's going to play nicely with both NES games and Game Boy games on the same screen while displaying them within the full screen. You know what I mean? The aspect ratio is fundamentally different. The The actual pixel resolution is completely different. Uh, I mean, if you had a really high-res screen, you could maybe get away with it and make it work and just kind of border the Game Boy stuff so that the aspect ratio is correct. But I actually think this could be a real problem and that in the end, what they're going to do is just interpolate the pixels up to fill the screen for all games, and they're just going to be kind of blurry uh, and incorrect in terms of aspect ratio <laughs> I mean, on the I, Game Boy side. Yeah, I, look, I know we're nitpicking. I mean, this is a collectible. Most people are going to leave this on their shelf. They're not even going to take it out of the box, right? No one's going to play this thing. Um, but I just found it funny that when they showed it yesterday, I my, my heart just sank a little bit. I'm like, come on, fix the aspect ratio, Nintendo. What are you doing? Or at least have a mode where you could press a button to select different options or something. I don't know. Yeah. When they showed off the Game & Watch Mario, uh, that presentation was also awful because the capture they had done was all like shimmery and low quality as well. So it seems like you just cannot get the presentation surrounding these Game & Watch uh, down proper. Screen stuff is really interesting, but I did just see that somehow Funny Plane that's been doing those IPS screens, they just recently announced that they're doing a new Game Boy Advance IPS screen that actually has the exact pixel resolution of original GBA screens, which we've not seen before. Uh, I mean, some of the other ones they've done with the uh, the retro grid, where it's just a high-density, high-PPI LCD, and then they sort of draw black lines to simulate the grid. But here they managed to source an IPS panel that's actually GBA res, uh, which is really cool. Um, but they didn't show this off in the direct, John. No, they did not. I'm just I'm just talking about the screens on these portable machines and how Nintendo is maybe not getting it right and noting that such such solutions are possible. <laughs> but they're probably not putting the money behind it to ensure that. Uh I guess though the last Zelda thing that we don't really need to talk much about is they did a like some Age of Calamity DLC which, uh, you know, whatever. I've heard it's a decent game, but the performance is so poor that I'm not really sure I could ever truly get into it. And that's yeah. kind of like that's screaming for a new Switch model, I feel. Yes, Agreed. I basically won't be playing it until there is a 
way to um, get the performance up. So uh, it oh. looked like cool DLC though, but uh, it did. until I played, not much to say about it. WarriorWare. Uh, they showed a new WarriorWare game, and um, it's been a while, hasn't it? I mean, there was WarriorWare Gold on yes. on the 3DS, which is sort of like a remake, I suppose. Uh, but we haven't seen anything quite new for, in the series for a while, and I was kind of happy to see it return with nice hand-drawn artwork and everything like this in high-res. Uh, what do you think about this MVG? I'm, I'm very happy that it's returning as well. Um, I don't think there's a bad WarioWare game in the mix, um, and I think the Switch. I think the Switch needs it. You know, it's. I mean, it's it's almost the perfect system for a WarioWare game in in many ways. Um, so I think the two the two the you know the addition of the two player mode is is interesting. I'd like to see how that that actually performs in execution, but. Overall, um, this was a surprise announcement for me. There was some, I think there was some talk, you know, Nintendo took a, a survey recently about, does anyone want to see a WarioWare game come back? And I think a lot of people speculated. That, I said yes. That it may show at the Direct. <laughs> um, but normally I don't tend to, you know, focus on those types of rumors because, you know, Nintendo does what Nintendo does, right? But I'm um, very, very happy to see this get announced at the Direct. Um, one of the one of the surprise games for me, for sure. Same for me. I mean, I love those uh, games. Uh, I especially love things like Twisted. And I always feel like a game, or game, uh, WarioWare is always such a great game to showcase hardware and uh, controls. You know, with a twist, you had the twist controls. Then the smooth moves, I've always pretty fun way to introduce uh, the uh, Wii. And Game and, Wa game and Wario, I think, uh, it's not a bad game, but it might be one of the weaker in the series. But it was still, it was still yeah, it's still pretty fun and uh it's been solely missing from the switch though so i'm happy especially the two-player mode does intrigue me and i do wonder if this game will end more friendships than mario party because it seems like a game that just would be designed for this kind of like uh chippendales mario party style uh, and the friendships another one that i thought looked great yesterday was uh advanced wars which is coming back advanced wars uh one and two i guess it's being remade for the switch in 3d and we've since learned that it's being done by way forward which is cool um but i've seen a surprising amount of backlash to it for some reason a lot of people are lamenting the shift to 3d and saying you know and as a 2d pixel art lover i kind of get that but at the same time looking at what they've done here i feel like they've really captured the the look of what advanced wars was going for originally like the little tanks and, and vehicles they have that shiny toy aesthetic right single color you know with the sort of the specular sheen on it and it just they look like little models dropped into the scene which i think it has its own cool look to it uh i mean what do you guys think well first of all this was another surprise announcement for me i had no idea about this game and i was very i was very happy you know to see it get announced um i will mm -hmm. say that initially on on first looks, I wasn't that big on the graphical style um, for the reasons why, you know, other people were saying maybe the, the 3D models needed a little bit more texturing or just something, they mm -hmm. needed something else. But I have since come around, I've, I've watched the trailer again a few times. Um, Cause you know, when you watch it during the show, you, you, you're, you're either really hyped up about something or you're really disappointed about the previous game they showed or something. So I kind of just watched it in a vacuum, if you will. And 
I I do get what they're going for the aesthetic and it's definitely growing on me now and um and look way forward I mean they do great work um the ga- the game is in good hands and I'm sure the underlying engine code is is going to be one to one of of the you know the the game play that we we know and love so I'm I'm all about it you know I'm I'm definitely on board with this for sure Another one to talk about then is this one shatter dropped uh Cave shooters are coming, more of them, to the Switch. They announced uh, Mushihime-sama would be available right away after the Direct, and it was. Uh, and he, the thing that was surprising is they only showed it... So, they actually showed it only during the Japanese Direct, but I later looked back in my email, and the PR had actually sent out an email just before the Direct happened, saying, or just after, saying, as you saw in the in the Direct... Uh, and then they sent a correction and said, actually, it only ended up showing in the Japanese Direct... So I get the feeling that at, there was at some point where it was intended to be shown for everyone and then it got pulled for whatever reason, uh, which is a shame, but it's cool to see these games coming to Switch, even if it's just in digital form for now. But uh, And I, could, I, I bought it already and I can confirm that it works really well with the flip grip, which is key. Was it M2? Did M2 do it or? This one is not M2. It's not shot triggers. But uh, I can't remember who did it off the top of my head, but it's it's a pretty good conversion. There's a lot of screen options. You can rotate the screen in four different directions. You can scale and stretch as you please. You can filter on and off. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do with it to customize it to sort of fit what you're trying to do. Um, and you can even choose to rotate the inter- interface or not to match the, the in-game screen. Uh, so it's pretty packed with features, actually, and it runs very well. And it just feels uh, it's it's really good with the flip grip, so I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely check that out. Um, hopefully they'll get a physical out for that because I love my physical cave, cave games. Um, I've got the PS, I have the PS2 version of uh, Mushihimisama, so it'd be interesting to compare against that because that's a that's a pretty good one. I have that as well in the big box with the little figure, right? Yep, that's the one. That one in Dodonpachi. Uh, which one was it? It's uh, uh, Daiojo. It yeah, Daiojo. So yeah. the the that one is really good, but Mushihime-sama on PS2 has a problem where uh, it's only it's only interlaced without a flicker filter, even in Tate mode. So it's it has a very jaggy look to it. Whereas if you play it on say uh, if you play Dodonpachi on PS2. Uh, you get proper 240p when you're in Tate mode, and when you're not in Tate mode, it's they have the option for various like flicker filter settings to help it look cleaner on a CRT. Um, so that port was not great, but the, we're not talking about that now. We should save that for another <laughs> thing, I think. Another one that I think is a big deal is after all this time, it was announced that Project Zero slash Fatal Frame uh, 5, essentially, is getting not only a switch port, but it's which was announced here, but it's being ported to everything basically. Uh, Maiden in Blackwater, I guess it was. Yep. yep. Um, I I played it on the Wii U. I I like it a lot, and it felt like it was one of those games that might have been doomed to be stuck on the Wii U. But it seems that they have decided to port it. And uh, yeah, what do you think, Odd? I'm really happy to see Fail Frame back. I'm very surprised to see it actually end up on the PlayStation platform because there was always uh, some confusion on ownership rights for the Fail Frame series, and Nintendo had some f- at least funding because the fourth game is stuck on Wii and probably will never be ported due to all those bugs. Uh, but uh, very happy to see it back. It looks uh, 
quite fantastic. Um, the, up the updates they've done to it. And uh, seems, you know, fail frame worked for the controller before, so I don't think too much is lost without the uh, Wiimote. Or not, not the Wiimote. What am I talking about? The uh, what, what was the Wii U controller called? The, the Wii U screen controller? The gamepad. The game they pad. Just, they the just called it the gamepad. The gamepad. Okay. So with the gamepad. Um, yeah, I don't think too much is lost, even though that was a pretty cool feature on the gamepad. But we know it works. The series has worked on other consoles before, so no big deal. Yeah, I, I think the game looks looks cool as well. Um, the fact that it's coming out to pretty much everything doesn't necessarily mean I, I want to get the Switch version. Maybe I, I'd rather get maybe the PS5 version and play it on a big TV, you know, at 4K. So get that get that fatal frame experience that that we know and love. So, but I'm very happy to see this one um, again. Another surprise announcement came from nowhere. Um, and I think that that was kind of the that was the theme of the direct for me. There was a lot of really cool surprises that came out. And I can only hope that they make a physical for the whole world this time because Fail Frame Five was only Europe and Japan. That's right. Yeah. Yes, that's the thing. And um, the cost of that version has gone up quite a bit in recent years, so it's not exactly easy to obtain if you missed it initially. Next game, I did not see coming. <laughs> to switch it's a uh, cruise and blast yeah. from raw thrills which i guess is eugene jarvis's arcade company they're still mm -hmm. making arcade games over there uh including this turtles game that audi talked about i haven't played that one yet but you say it's yeah they good. did this uh four-player brawler uh from the 2012 cartoon which is a very good cartoon and the game isn't that bad so uh even though this doesn't really mean anything it's kind of interesting still to see uh, raw have, thrills end up have, a console have we seen that before has raw thrills published a, or produced a game on a console yeah. yet mm. either way it's it's interesting because you know eugene was originally involved like he was one of the main creators of cruise in usa in the first place back yep. in the day mm -hmm. so this isn't it's not coming from just you know nobody it's coming from you know at least one of the original developers i'm not sure who all is at raw thrills these days but uh it actually looks like a good time. It's it looks like a crazy arcade racer, very colorful visuals, uh, heavy on the reflections. I love it. Uh, but um, I, but it, I, I love it. Am I right in that all the cruising games are exclusive to Nintendo systems, or has it have, have they ever shown up on anything else? They've never shown up on anything else. I, thought, I don't think. I thought so. And this is exclusive too, right? This is an exclusive Switch game, um, mm -hmm. from what I Suspect. remember. So it's, yeah, I, I'm all about it. I look, Cruising USA is. Um, it's kind of dumb arcade fun, but yeah, give it, it to me, you know, and all the games, I, I, I really enjoy them. So I was pretty happy with this one. Do you think this game is also powered by the Ultra 64? <laughs> Hopefully they'll have an Easter egg in there where they show the <laughs> oh, logo. Oh, I know. That'd be cool. That would be so great. If only the Wii game was powered on the Ultra 64, it might have actually been good. Right. Ooh, that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that might win the award, the award for the worst promo shot in history still. Mm. That thing, Super Monkey Ball, they're they're yep. bringing them back. Uh, I guess it's one and two, is it? Yep. Um, they're sort of remastering them for new platforms, which is I think what people would have wanted in the first place. They they did like Banana Blitz previously, hmm. if I recall, which was fine. But Super Monkey Ball one and two, I think are the best in the series. Specifically one, but I don't know what you guys think about this, but I do have some concerns about the controls. Because I feel like part of the appeal or why it works so well is that the GameCube analog stick was 
so expertly tuned and so precise mm-hmm. for a game like Monkey Ball, from the stick itself and in the way it actually moved to the 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 eight way gate around it, the, the octagonal shape where you could kind of like stick your, you know, place the stick in each one of those little corners there. Uh, I feel like all of that contributed a lot to making the game feel just right. And then you come over to the Switch. I mean, if you have a Pro Controller, it's better, but I think a lot of people are using the Joy-Con, and notoriously, that's that's a really not a great analog stick. So I'm really curious to see how well this will actually work. What about Gyro? Do you think they'll that, that's not going to translate well enough to this game? <sighs> that's a tricky one. Like, it could be fun, but the precision required to really perform in Monkey Ball... I don't you know. You have to have new stages that take gyro into account then. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I mean, I, I, it's feasible. I, I just don't, I can't really say whether it would be pleasant yet. <laughs> yeah, it'll be an interesting no. comparison, you know, with, with the GameCube game because um, maybe they'll they'll relax the, I guess, you know, the, the movement a little. Sensitivity. To make, yeah, yeah, to add some, you know, some percentage of error you know to to the uh to the movement to to make it more in your favor possibly um so it would be interesting to see if they actually tweak the the controls um you know to suit personally i think the real solution here is to release a physical version with a wireless banana joystick just like the arcade game that'd be cool just the whole the whole banana there you go i think that would that that's it right there another thing i'd like to see more of is shin megami tensei 5 um yeah so there the the previous so three obviously was just remastered and re-released recently that was originally on playstation 2 then they did four on the 3ds which was rather interesting and now they're back with another full-on sequel uh and it looks pretty good i think aside from the giant ui but otherwise (laughs) i mean what do you think audi no i definitely think the ui is a little bit uh yeah a bit of an eyesore, but uh, it's hard for me to say much because uh, Shin Megami Tensei is not necessarily my favorite uh, game series. I've never been much into it, so I can tell that this looks cool for the fans. So I think it's and I think it's a good get for Nintendo. I'm not sure is this exclusive. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, pretty so, sure it is. Uh, and you know the uh, fan base for this, uh, as much as the rest of Atlas stuff in the u.s is very uh, passionate so it's just a game that like when i see it in the direct i feel happy for people and uh i'm just a positive guy i guess so it's just like oh someone will be really happy about this so i'm happy for them but you would have been happier if we got that tokimeki memorial game like girl side oh yes Uh, (laughs) quite lonely uh, sitting here so (laughs) i was hoping for that but uh, that will not happen unfortunately no well, one thing about SMT5 is um, I know it's it's finally coming out in November and it's been a game that's been, I think they announced it. If I'm all right, did they announce it like when the Switch got released? Like mm-hmm. way they back that, that yeah. early? Wow. Yeah, so this game has been in development um, for a long time. So I, I'm glad it's, it's finally coming out and, and the fans will get to enjoy it. And by the way, it's uh, using Unreal Engine 4, which is fascinating, which is also funny because the remaster of 3 was done in Unity. So everything is being consolidated. It's uh there's there's tools, man, I'll tell you. Uh is there anything else you guys want to touch on from Nintendo though before we move on? I mean there was stuff like Mario Party there, which is, you know, that's that's its thing, and a few other random things here and there. 
I think it just overall it was a very good showing. Uh, it definitely the uh, pandemic has hit Nintendo quite hard and maybe harder than many other studios just because uh, the transition for them was uh, quite severe. Uh, but it's clear, you know, there is a lot of remasters here, there, and there will be for a little while. Uh, but it's still good to see that, you know, they can keep on trucking, and the quality of these games looks um, still spectacular, and they're coming out soon, which a lot of the other companies uh, couldn't say. And before we get to Square Enix and all of that, I feel like it's time for the discussion about the all-important Intellivision Amico. It's time. Gentlemen, are you ready? There was a 15-minute presentation. We got to see the Amico in action. We got to see the controller. We got to see the games. Got um, to see Tommy Tallarico. We got to see Tommy Tallarico. Uh, first thoughts, Audi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Let me try to have one. Um, it looks very much like the people who are working on it believe in it. Uh, and I think the idea that they have is sound. I think uh, family entertainment is important. Uh, I think, you know, the living room experience is uh, something that definitely should live on as someone that has grown up playing with brothers, sisters, and families. Uh, at the same time, I question whether or not this market already does exist and already is uh, pretty well represented in this form of mobile and even the consoles themselves, such as the Switch. And they, they keep saying they're not competition and whatnot, and I totally understand and agree. But at the same time, we're seeing games that are basically variations of what we can get on the consoles. So it's sort of like, yes, but no, we're still getting platformers like uh, Fox Forests and uh, Dino Fo Blasters. We're, get we're getting the sequel to that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's uh, Finnegan Fox, I think. Oh, okay. Well, very nice name. So actually, I think th that specific game highlights one of my biggest critiques with the games that they've shown is that, mm -hmm. you know, Fox and Forests was a pixel art game that evoked uh, Super NES style visuals. Mm -hmm. Finnegan Fox or whatever sort of goes for that high res art that yeah i hate to i don't want to say flash like but it's kind of flash like and a lot of these games have this look where they just look like kind of relatively i'm sure they are low budget but they look like low budget mobile games in a way that's not that i feel is not necessarily something that should be a limit of the hardware platform itself it's just They've made some strange artistic decisions that make the games look somewhat unappealing, hmm. even if the concept itself is sound. Uh, and also the performance seems really poor at this point, which is not acceptable for a game like that. But I know they're not, they keep saying we're not competing with that audience, but I feel like they could do this better. Like the idea is interesting. They're saying, you know, it's not, this isn't a, a platform designed with DLC in mind. It's not designed with patches and such in mind. It's just meant to be you ship a product, it's done. It's it's li more limited in scope. The prices start like 10 to $20 for the games. Um, I see where they're going. It's just I don't – who's going to want to work on this? And like I, especially since they're saying like, oh, yeah, the games in here are either going to be exclusives or have exclusive content. Like, who are they to make those demands to these developers unless they have a lot of cash to throw around to make that possible? But we've seen this stuff before. I mean, 
not that it's necessarily comparable to something like Stadia. But Google threw a lot of money at people to bring stuff to Stadia. It didn't mean anything in the end. Um, they really have to deliver something more to actually make it enticing. Yeah, I, I, I think the you know we're not competing with anyone um, angle is interesting because for me, they they may not feel like they're not competing, but I I think about a product like the Evercade Versus that was just announced. And I, I see that as a as a competitor, you know, and that is it's cheaper, and that that is a uh, a family, you know, a, a local cooperative um, two player system where you can you and you, your friend or you and you, your brother or sister can can plug in and, and play games together. Um, and you know, for me, I think that Amico is is competing with something like that, even though they may not really be thinking about something like the Evercade, but. Um, that's kind of where I see maybe the Amico stumbling is, is, you know, um, really the marketing research they've done. Maybe, you know, it does suggest that they, they are, you know, there are people out there that want a, um, uh, offline, um, cooperative, um, local co-op, you know, home system that plays family friendly games. But I think if they looked a little closer, there's probably other competing systems out there that do very similar things, you know, I think their price target too is a problem it's too they're aiming for like 299 which is awful steep i also think when you say oh we're not competing and uh, we're not going to tread on this over and over but when you have a game in development like earth from gym which is a game in a series that would only really interest a more specifically hardcore audience who are on the console already i don't think anyone below the age of 30 really is sitting there wanting a new air from gym um you know it would be people like us us three yeah. i think all of us would say like a new air from g a gym that's interesting what's it for yeah the amico all right uh not to mention that like the hardware which we haven't even really spoken about uh the hardware seems uh quite low powered and then also just the idea of it i do think that having these controllers with these screens and touchpads it's it's an interesting idea it makes kind of each game um you know unique or bespoke or whatever you want to say but uh first of all there's no precision with these touch controls so then platformers and whatnot are out the window well it's not just you have touch controls and you have that wheel the wheel the the original exactly and like that doesn't Which, make for a good D-pad like option or control no. stick style option. So what the what's the option then? Do you do a classic controller thing where that can be attached, or do you use Bluetooth? And that brings up the point I wanted to make is this could have maybe been more like the Ouya, and maybe not too much like the Ouya, but it no. could have been very simply a square little box with some sort of front end and storefront where you had uh, these exclusive experiences in games and then your cell phone basically had an app that corresponds to this and it would have basically been the same and maybe the specs would have been even better considering that smartphones probably will eclipse the power of any of those game pads uh, or already are i would assume i i kind of feel like the gamepad thing though is kind of part, key to their appeal just because we've seen so many of those android boxes out there and they were probably trying to find a way to differentiate themselves in that way but I think you're probably right. Putting resources into that direction is not necessarily going to lead to the best products. So. I have to still say that I really respect them for trying something new. Yeah, and I really do respect them for you know they they've been in 
they've been sticking out for this now for five years four it's years it's been a while yeah and uh, both you and i know quite a few people involved the project so um whatever it is you know i do hope that they do find an audience and that there's some success to be had there because fun for the family is not a bad thing and if families are having fun on gameco then even better so yeah i i I hope and they will works. have physical games, so I like that. I mean, limited run should get on that. Plumbers don't wear ties well, for the Amiga. Uh, yeah, the Amiga version. Well, yeah. actually, they announced that everything would have to be E-rated <laughs> on the system. Oh, so, so uh, you get the censored version. Yeah, it's only like five minutes long, and then um, there you go. Limited run games shared more of their stuff. This isn't exactly tech or anything. I mean, this is just like, I think we're all kind of into collecting games and yeah, yeah. appreciators of physical releases. And Limited Run is one of the best companies doing this stuff. Well, we uh, have a certain guest on the show today, John. Who's who actually... Can, yes. can't talk about tech because one of the first announcements made on the LRG stream was River City Girls Zero, mm-hmm. which is a port of Shin Neketsu Koha Kunyotachi no Banka. And uh, for this new version, which uh, is being uh, made for Switch at the very least. Yep. And PlayStation 4? Originally. Or uh, just Switch? Initially for Switch and I believe PS4. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to come out at the same time as Switch, but it's it's on the list right. um, for the kind of the first release of this. So the original game on Super Famicom, and this interests me greatly because I've actually... I think I've announced this publicly, or else this is the public announcement. I've been working on a book about the Kunio series for about three, four years, about the entire series and interviewing the creator of it. And this Super Famicom game is one of the best Super Famicom games of all time, first of all, but also was one of the main inspirations for River City Girls because uh, the girlfriends were in it and pretty mm-hmm. strong characters. And it has like the motorcycle segment, which uh, would go on to influence uh, Final Fantasy VII and things like this. So it's a really good beat 'em up, a really good like ad- adventure story brawler. And then uh, now that it's being ported, I'm uh, very excited to see. And the man porting it is MPG. Yeah. So this is um, the the second game that will use the carbon engine that we we uh, mm-hmm. we talked about um, previously. And uh, yeah, it's currently in the works and uh, it's coming along quite nicely. So um, stay tuned. I'm, I'm sure fans of the game will, will really like what we've got to show. But yeah, um, it's uh, it's been great working um, with those guys on, on, on this project. I'm, I'm really, really psyched about it. And Audi, I'm sure you're, you know, um, you're feeling feeling good about it and just rest assured, you know, it's in good hands. So um, stay oh, tuned. Oh, I was, when you told me, <laughs> I was super, the announcement was even sweeter because I know... <laughs> The actual port's going to be great. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what you guys do with the game because um, I, I guess you can't say much about it, but I'm wondering if there will be some extras or something involved here. Yeah. Or a cartridge release. I There's not really much I can say about the project right now, but I'm sure we'll do a, a you know a retrospective when, when it's all said and when done. When the time comes. And we'll exactly. answer Maybe it's time for a DF Retro on the Kunio series at some point. Maybe. I mean, uh, River, City Girls 2 is, River City Girls 2 was announced as well, so that would actually make yes. it an interesting one. That will require yeah. some work. <laughs> oh, well, my book is almost finished. So. <laughs> we'll just use your book as the script, yeah. and it'll be yes. like an eight-hour video. <laughs> awesome. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that that's a, that's obviously a really great announcement, the, the two River City Girls 
games. Um, it's a great series, and I mean, uh, Meg McDuffie coming back for doing the music. I think she's been doing a new music video for Zero as well. And uh, the first game I thought was, uh, it was the uh, kind of rejuvenation that Kunio Kun needed because there has been many DS game, 3DS games, and PC games in the series, and they've all kind of treaded back to uh, the old uh, downtown Naketsu Mundugatari style. And then this also uses that, but also it's very pro wrestling slash anime slash just way forward. Uh, so it was exactly what Kunika needed. And I think moving forward, um, it's going to be a pretty successful series. There was a lot of other stuff shown as well during their presentation. I think one of the ones that kind of excited me just conceptually, uh, even though I already have the game, uh, they announced an official English Turbo Graphics CD version of Dracula X Rondo of Blood. Uh, so it's being fully localized. They have, because Konami also owns all the, the NEC PC Engine Turbo Graphics stuff, they have this is they actually have the okay to use all of the original branding. Mm. So this is going to be, I guess, technically like the last official uh, Turbo CD game release now. For now, which, for now, uh, that's cool. Like that, I just that that idea. I'm so happy that this is actually happening and possible because, uh, yeah, this is it. Really is it does live up to the hype. It's a fantastic game, and having an actual you know official CD version of this, uh, with the full translation localization in it is really appealing. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I will definitely pick this up. I will for sure too. I mean, I don't have the the original because I, I refuse to spend the, the the money on it. You know, um, <laughs> so being able to get my hands on this, um, it's a dream come true. I look, I love when Limited Run drops a release for like the Sega CD because um, they've done some of those releases in the past. So you know, releasing these games for like these obscure systems um, that that the fans will will love. But you know the average consumer will be like, "What? What the hell's the the Turbo CD? I don't even know what that is." But you know, I'm I'm all about it, man. I, I'm I'm definitely gonna pick it up. I can't wait. It's also such great timing with the Analog Duo coming out eventually. Uh, so that you know, it's a perfect uh, you know pickup for that. Uh, it's one of the best games on the entire system. So that's one thing. And uh, yeah, when Limited Run started doing these reprints, um, including you know shantae which we talked about with you because uh you, you did it uh i think this is such a cool business it's like a dream come true to make these games available again properly made and uh i never expected rondo blood to be re-released and translated like this uh, but now it's happening and it makes me excited as well for the future because it's clear that limited run and konami you know are having a good time right now because they also did requiem uh, which uh, Symphony of the Night and Rondo Blood on PS4, and two more. They did the was the Contra collection. Yep, yep, wasn't there as well. Well, I would hope that more classic Konami and obscure Konami could come so out. So, I was some... thinking about this, and I feel like you know one of the obvious ones is like, oh, they could do the PC Engine version of Snatcher, you know, because there was already a localization for that anyway. Maybe they could reuse it, but more interestingly. I think it would be bold of them to go back and take the original Tokimeki Memorial for PC Engine, which is where it first launched, and properly localize it, 
and released that version on the Turbo CD. It's the second uh, time this uh, direct that you bring this up, John. It's not going to happen. <laughs> We're not going to get Tokimeki. Yeah, and but we you just say, need you, to accept you, this. You say that, but like I've been I here for thirty years waiting. I, it's not going to happen. That just seems like something limited run games might be crazy enough to try. Like they're one of the only ones I could see. They seem willing to to splash out money on weird things, <laughs> which most companies would not. Yeah. So, uh, but you're right. It's probably not going to happen because the localization work is significant, to say the least. I mean, the challenge is now out there. The gauntlet has been thrown down. It's up to MVG. Yeah, we I'll, believe in you. I'll, you I'll, can I'll do, do it by himself. I'll tap the uh, the owners after do it this all. And, and ask and see if, <laughs> see if they're interested. <laughs> They'll probably just tell me a four letter word that I can't repeat on the show. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, yeah. considering what they did announce, uh, it wouldn't be too far fetched. Well, that's a good point, actually, isn't it? You were talking about Cunio, but they actually so. I think they already re- the, the Kunio Kun collection for Switch was already released in Japan, and I, I think you got a copy of that. Uh, so I uh, have Kunio Kun the World, which was the very first uh, right. collection they did, which was uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. And, and the, then the, they did they like a digital. It. They did a digital version, right, of like Double Dragon and Kunio Kun for the West. I yes, think? for the West, and uh, that's updated slightly too. Ah, okay. And, and uh, that's getting the, a release. Now. That's getting a release. Yes. So uh, that's great. I mean, the more Kunio, the better. Um, and I Double agree. Dragon is also, of course, part of that. Yep, so absolutely. So very happy about that. I was happy to see Dusk, which has been teased for Switch and also PS4, finally getting a, not only a console release, but also a physical release. It's sort of the throwback shooter published by New Blood. Um, that is, it was on one of my Game of the Year lists. I can't remember which year, but it's a really, really solid, super fast-paced game that's super old school in the best Mm. way Uh, obviously there was the plumbers don't wear ties thing that came at the end which is uh that's not obvious well it's it's, uh, the opposite it's only obvious now in retrospect it's like (laughs) if anybody watched that it's like oh yeah that's the one thing but in terms of actually happening you're right that is one of the least obvious and most bizarre things to occur and i feel like you had some kind of hand in this as well, didn't you, Audie? I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised at this. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I did. Uh, I, I don't know how much Josh wants me to go into the details of that, um, but uh, it wasn't a huge deal. You know, credit goes to Josh for years of uh, finding whoever hold, held these rights. You wouldn't believe how hard it was, but uh, he wasn't an advantage with me because I knew some of the people involved the game and uh we managed to work out something where uh they could do this game and the announcement and uh very happy about it because i've known about this now for a few years i've known that it uh, was kind of like something they wanted to do and uh it was like all right you know whenever you're ready call me up and uh yeah got the call mm. Uh, another one, Strife Veteran Edition, which yeah. uh, from Night Dive. I think you you were involved with Edward on that, right? I did. MVG? I did. I did the switch port. Um, well, not. I, yeah. I, I didn't do the entire thing, but I ported the renderer over. Um, and most of the game. So myself and Edward pretty much tackled it's that good. together. So that was that's that's a good good physical. Check that out if you haven't, because I think 
In fact, Strife, I mean, the last time Strife was physical was the original big box PC version. PC version, yeah. So for fans Which of that Which was game, widely ignored at the time, but it's actually a great game. Um, you know, it's a first-person shooter with a lot of RPG elements and conversations made yep. in the Doom engine, which was kind of insane for the time. Multiple endings uh, and, and all yep. sorts of, you know, mechanics that were really well before their time. Um, it was, Great, great yeah. game. Very underrated. Yep. Super underrated. Oversh- overshadowed by stuff like Quake, I think. Which, yeah. To be fair, I get it. But still. I think know, Strife came out... I could be wrong. Um, someone will fact check me, but I think it came out between Duke Nukem and Quake, so it never stood a chance, you know, of of ever really. Yeah, I think you're right. It was like uh, like halfway through '96, like April or May or something. So you're right. It would have been kind of in the in between those two. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting one. Um. Anything else? I mean, I, I asked about this because I hadn't played it, but I saw they're putting out Retromania Wrestling, and thankfully we have a wrestling game guru here, and you say it's okay? Um, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so Retromania Wrestling, um, it's a game that's uh, based on the WrestleFest engine. It's not the engine. They remade everything from scratch. Right, right. Uh, to the point where they actually did get the approval from Technos of Japan or Arc System. Oh, to kind wow. of use um, the connection in marketing. So it is the, a sanctioned sequel to that. Um, I think it's pretty good. I have some issues generally with the hit detection and some small things like this. Sure. But the idea of a 2D, you know, 2D wrestling game that harkens back to WrestleFest is uh, really awesome. And I'm really happy to see that Limited Run is doing a physical for it because... Uh, you know, it's very much an indie developed title. It is a very small team, and they've been working right, right. for years on this. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I need to give it a look then. I am curious about it. Um, you know, and there's there's a bunch of other. We don't need to talk about every announcement. There's a bunch of stuff out there if you want. Those are just some of the ones that cut our fancy. But one that you brought up, Audi, as well. That's not actually limited run games. Uh, it's a different release, and it's Demon Throttle. Yeah. Uh, what's up with Demon Throttle? Yeah, so this is being published via, I think it's Digital Devolver's kind of uh, limited uh, yeah, pressing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. special reserve. Uh, and it, it did uh, kind of cause some controversy at the beginning of E3 because they announced it being physical only, meaning that there won't be any digital uh, option for this game, which uh, I think is one of the very few examples of this on the Switch. That happened right um, alongside, uh, what what is it, the Super Rare announced something similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And both of these kind of got hit with a backlash. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure about you guys. I just think generally limiting the availability to this extent. I mean, there, I'm sure there, there's things that can be said about doing limiting pressing in general. You know, the idea of like having what people feel is artificial scarcity but as someone that has been publishing indie games for 10 years now it's like there is a pretty limited segment that are willing to buy these games anyway and this is the only way you can even do it's either this or you print up 15,000 copies and keep 14,000 of them in the warehouse Mm. so you know uh, there's a lot to be said about this topic in general but for this the, the option of not even having digital I think for a game that looks actually kind of cool, it looks pretty good. It does, it's, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I really don't get it. Um, 
And I think, personally, I just think it's a bit of a mistake. I will say, to their credit, though, uh, as you pointed out earlier, it seems to be an open pre-order and an yep. open pre-order that will be active for a long time. So Yeah, I just, even with the open pre-order, I just think, like, it's it, it's a tactic to make people feel kind of, like, uh, stressed and compelled to buy it as soon as possible. It's, it's the FOMO effect, right? If you're missing out. Yeah, the FOMO yeah. effect. And, uh, yeah, I just, personally, I collect physical games, and it just kind of makes me feel like not picking it up, strangely, you know, because of this. Because I know people that love these kinds of games, um, for example, their Switch, and then, but they don't buy physical. And I totally understand them why they don't, because it's a portable system, and they like having all their games on an SD card, and they're not like us. And I'm, like, totally fine. Uh, that's why we have the option of physical or digital. When when you remove the most convenient and approachable way of buying a game, uh, then I think kind of you've gone a little bit too far with this idea. Yep. Yep. I agree. Agree. Let's talk about the Gearbox showcase. Go on. All right. What do you want to talk about? Where do we want to start? All done. Uh, (laughs) Next, we'll talk about Capcom. (laughs) Oh, oh, do you like esports? Yeah. Did you like Resident Evil Village? Oh, it's pretty good. I, I really I, I enjoyed like that it. Game. I love the game. Glad it's getting DLC. <laughs> oh yeah. I do. That's I do. Announced. You know, um, just just on that real quick. I mean, if you recall when E3 was announced, there were a couple of companies that initially didn't throw their names in the ring, and I think Capcom, Square Enix, and maybe Bandai Namco were the companies that didn't initially commit to E3, and mm. they, yeah. I guess, at some point they kind of put their names in the ring and you wonder you know if you're going to do that i mean at least have something you know it was like, fomo of it dude well, you're missing out i guess you want to miss out on e3 wouldn't these publishers be paying some you know monetary amount to the esa to to get a, a slot so if you don't really have much i mean what, what what's what's kind of the the goal here you know uh that's the part that i i couldn't really understand Next time E3 is actually physical, like we can go to the event again. I say that limited run, they have a press conference, but you have to be physically there or else you will not know any of the announcements. It's a good idea. So take, except, it, take it back to the old days. Except you, you need those you need those clicks. on. Well, it, it, you cannot find any information online. It is only physical. Forever I mean, physical. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like I like the the plan, but I also feel like the execution of it will would just crash and burn pretty pretty quickly. Maybe, <laughs> and they, but they could announce a port of Crash and Burn. Oh, at okay, E three two thousand twenty two. Now we're talking a port of Crash and Burn. Wow, I'd be yeah. into that. Yeah, um, they should just do the old Crystal Dynamics back catalog. Bring back Gex. That'll work. Crash and Burn. You know all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'd this segment uh, has been how to destroy a company in two minutes. But more entertaining than Capcom's presentation. Someone who did announce some stuff is, uh, we actually streamed this audio with My Life in Gaming. It's the Square Enix conference, yeah, which was ultimately not very good. But they did no. announce a few interesting things uh, and some not so interesting things, I guess. Uh, the oof, Where do we start? I mean... There's a lot of Marvel in this. They showed Guardians of the Galaxy at last, which... At last. I I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm a little... <laughs> so, 
you can tell that a lot of work went into it, but I'm really sad that the studio that helped revive Deus Ex and did a darn fine job with it mm-hmm. is now stuck doing this. It feels yeah. like such a weird left turn, and uh, you know, I hope they find success with it, but it really didn't appeal to me. No, same, way. same. I, I kind of that was the time of the the show where I went, you know, to, to get a drink and and uh, and f- grab a snack, and you know. Um, take my and you time still came it. back to the game. Yeah, I came back, and there was there was still fifteen minutes of it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I applaud them for showing the demo. I think it's good to show gameplay demos like that. But they dedicated over like twenty minutes to just mm. that game, and it felt a little bit long when what they were showing wasn't that exciting to begin with. Yeah. So, and then they but followed they, that up. They bounced back, John. Oh. It's one of my favorite moments of a live stream that we've done yet. They announced the Final Fantasy 1 through 6 sort of collection. The Pixel uh, Remaster. Pixel yeah, Remaster. Pixel Remaster. Mm. And then at the end, they dropped Steam slash Mobile, which sent Mark Trifers Dudison into a round of boo well, for about it. five minutes. Oh, Steam oh, slash no, Mobile, what? No, no, <laughs> no not Steam. Boo! Boo! Why would they do that? No! Steve Slash Mobile. That's like the worst thing to kill. That's like the worst thing to put at the end of any trailer. Boo! He was not happy. He was (laughs) not a happy happy. camper. Uh, Uh, Yeah. And they didn't, you you know, for for something where he's called a pixel remaster, you would think that they would put, like, the actual graphics on display, you know, make it very clear what this uh, is. And what we got was, like, a very tiny slideshow of logos and small screens. So no one could really point out, like, well, what's the improvements here? Because there has been mobile ports of Final Fantasy uh, 1 through 6 and uh, further and then Chrono Trigger and whatnot and none of them have been especially good they've had like all these blurry uh, I guess I borrow your term of flash like uh, graphics and uh, been pretty derided fixed by fans and mods but still not the best port and then here you have Pixel Remaster so you would think that it's kind of like the PSP games if you remember like where you know Final Fantasy 1 looks pretty great it was great yeah uh but uh, i've actually looked at uh, people have kind of picked out uh, some of the screenshots and found some graphics overall and i'm actually uh, somewhat interested in what they're doing so it is still sprites it is still pixels but because we're now viewing them on in hd on you know flat screens it's the graphics are done differently. They're more simplistic, but they kind of highlight the characteristics differently than what, you know, on a CRT, you would have all the bleeds and whatnot to, you know, shape the sprites differently. And now they cleaned up the sprite art to kind of still convey the same thing. So it's an interesting way of remastering them in pixel form for HD. Uh, so it's not necessarily a terrible idea. It's just a no. terrible way to announce and terrible platforms to put it on. I mean, there's nothing wrong with also having it on like mobile, for instance, but it does make you wonder about the target and what they're trying to do with this. And I don't know. I feel like we're going to have to wait and see on this, but I'm not super excited, to be honest. We'll see. Uh, and then they followed that up with more Marvel. I think it was uh, more stuff about the Avengers, the Avengers, yeah. you know, which mm-hmm. um, 
you know, that's a beautiful game, but I'm not super into it. Um, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the two, there was two. There was Black of, Panther as well. Oh, yeah. Black Panther's in there. That's cool. Um, I guess, though, there were two kind, like, one of these had already been announced. The other kind of been teased or, like, kind of rumored for a while. Is first of all, Platinum Games Babylon's Fall. We finally got sort of an extended look at that, um, and it's an it's an oddball one. What do you guys think about this? Because uh, it's a unique style they're going for. I um, I'm rare. I, I just I, I think my reaction now is the direction I had at the time. I don't know what the hell Platinum's doing right now with this game. Like there were so many things that I just felt like, you know, this game showed so much promise um, initially. And, you know, the concept around it sounded really intriguing, but, you know, it's a live service game, um, which really just made me just feel like I'm not really going to play this game ever. And I didn't really, it didn't connect with me as far as the graphical style. I just felt like this is not Platinum's best work by, by any stretch. And, you know, Audi, you mentioned COVID being really um, a huge factor in Japan um, I think the absence of Bayonetta three at the at the Switch event, uh, with the at the Nintendo event, really kind of illustrated to me that the Platinum's had a pretty rough time, you know, um, probably this year, maybe maybe last year as well. So, um, look, uh, it, it yeah. goes back further even. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt it. The, yeah, yeah, the company has had some internal stuff going on where um, it's not that they're in trouble or anything. It's just uh, creatively. Uh, they're struggling a bit at the moment and they've had some um, deals that haven't gone through Yeah, that uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, has really affected the company and the, the trajectory because Bayonetta not being there uh, after all this time, not even a mention mm. makes me think that there must be more to that story and whether or not, you know, I, I don't know if it's outright cancelled. Uh, Nintendo doesn't seem to really want to say anything about it. But um, I don't think we're going to see Bayonetta 3 anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my takeaway from Babylon. So I, I want to hear what you guys thought, though. I'm, I'm curious. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> uh, like, I, just, there's nothing more to say about it. I'm trying to be you know, <laughs> polite as I can about a game that I felt no, very disappointed about. Don't, yeah, life <laughs> service. And uh, I love creative art styles. And, you know, I'm... Yep. I'm from the school of another world, like minimalism and whatnot is uh, mm. wonderful. And this aquarelle type uh, water, you know, paint, yeah. uh, it really mm. doesn't translate the way they have hoped. And especially when you look in both emotion and in stills, it just, it, it, it doesn't just look good. Looks yeah. It doesn't communicate any artistic vision that I think they hoped for. And it just makes me feel like the, the whole game shifted towards something that they they don't feel much passion for like yeah, just to me it just seems like it's a well. contract being fulfilled yeah it's a shame you know i i i think about as a developer right if, if a publisher came up to me we're working on a game for example and they said look this has to be a live service game i think my interest level immediately would just drop you know like significantly and i'm like oh okay you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that the developers aren't giving 100%. I'm sure they are. But it's it's very difficult to work on something maybe that you don't love, you know, or you don't have the passion and desire to, to do. Um, 
So I, I do I do wish, you know, Platinum well. Hopefully they'll they'll, you know, come around and, and show some really cool stuff. I, I still am hopeful that we will see some good stuff from them. But Babylon's fall was a disappointment for me, you know. No no two ways about it. It was it wasn't great. And this is kind of their second big contract project, I guess, with Square Enix after near Automata, right? So and that obviously went well for Square Enix, uh, you know, good for Platinum as well, but I'm sure Square benefited the most from that relationship. And it's kind of puzzling that this is what they moved on to, I guess. And I'd be curious to know how much of an influence Square had on the decisions behind this. I would assume that it was Square that requested it to be a live service game. Probably. You would think so, right? Like, that's not really in Platinum's wheelhouse. Uh, so, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one for sure. Um, but... So we'll keep an eye on that, but not looking great thus far. And then the other thing, which we shouldn't go into too much detail because we did a little separate thing on it. Um, there was the, what is it? Strangers of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origins, which is another game where they've partnered with a different developer, in this case, Team Ninja. Um, at, I guess, they're still Koei Tecmo, I guess, technically, right? So, um, but they they do a lot of work for hire these days, it seems. And... Uh, they had a lot of success with Neo recently, Neo One and Two on PS4, and uh, obviously this this game looks like it's a continuation of that, but with a lot more Square influence and the Final Fantasy Origin stuff. Audie and I have talked about this in another video, so we don't need to go into this as well. But what do you think about this MVG? I um I don't know. I mean, I it didn't really grab me, you know, at all. To be honest with you guys, like, I mean. I can see what, again what they're going for, but I just I, I couldn't connect with this game at all, and um, it's something that I probably won't ever you know take a look at. So you may I may Ouch. be the wrong person to give a uh, you know a, a deep um, you know perspective on this game because I wasn't really feeling it. I I am curious. I didn't catch you know your thoughts, but what did you guys think? You know, real quick. It has a lot of technical problems, but the combat system is very promising. You can feel the DNA of Team Ninja in there. Uh, some of the additions with the magic system are interesting. It's more like there's a lot of promising ideas, but it still feels rather underbaked. And it definitely feels like there's a lot more development to be done before it becomes something that's actually great. But the potential is there because that core, the core mechanics are actually good. For me, um, I'm not a huge fan of the loot system in the game. Uh, and on top of that, it feels very much like a design and a game idea that um, is about 10 years old. Uh, it feels like a Square Enix game that would have been announced and released like 2012, 2013. So, uh, yeah, there's potential, but I really don't know if uh, I'll ever feel greatly invested in this. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, we're about at the end here. I mean, do you guys want to talk about any of the Ubisoft stuff or should we uh, wrap it up? Well, um, yeah, I mean, Mario Rabbids obviously was was the highlight. Uh, great announcement. It looks good. You know, the trailer really showed off off um, the, the game. Um, man, I can't wait to play it. You know, I was a big fan of the first one. It kind of came out of the nowhere. The first one was excellent. Yeah, it was excellent. It's really, um, really you know, good. XCOM-style gameplay that uh, I'm a big fan of XCOM anyway, so I, I connected with Mario Rabbids pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I, look, 
bring it on bring on 2022 i can't wait to play this game i think it was um one of the highlights of e3 for me quite honestly i think it's funny though as soon as a third party developer gets like the chance to do a mario game he'll he's either in the hotel or he has a gun <laughs> so it's just kind of like it, it works but uh it, it's still weird for me to see mario with uh kind of handgun style weapons mm-hmm. i mean but if, uh, you, if you're working with the mario ip you got to think like well what would nintendo not do because i can't compete with nintendo yeah that is true so, so, you so make he's either gonna three on three ba- basketball three yeah. on three basketball he's gonna teach you how to type he's gonna you know run around in a hotel or do this like there was dudes. a planned uh, wrestling game slash like volleyball game oh man with mario. mario wrestling that yeah been... th- that was actually in development at some point uh from next level and uh was canceled but, oh um, that's a shame that could have been interesting my my biggest hope for uh mario rabbits is uh that grant kirkhope comes back to do the music oh uh, confirmed confirmed oh is it confirmed, yeah, confirmed. oh perfect yeah, he was he was talking about it on twitter the other day um he's he's back doing the music for it so he did an go. amazing job and i i really enjoy grant's work so yep. that's uh yeah great announcement cool. absolutely yeah and then you know, I mean, there was other stuff. Uh, Avatar. Don't I don't know what to think of the game yet, but technically it was very, very impressive. Um, Far Cry Six was like Far Cry. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, the other stuff, the Rainbow Six thing. Don't really care. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's there's other stuff out there, but I kind of feel like. We've talked enough about a lot of stuff thus far. Let's give it a let's give a shout out though to uh, Metal Slug Tactics. Uh, yes. that looks pretty cool. Uh, bit of a shame with the situation with SNK at the moment, but that's for another uh, video. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, really happy to see Metal Slug back in a new but very interesting Did, genre. I'd, I'd say that's worthy of just highlighting .emu stuff in general lately. Yeah. They've been kind Doing of really hitting work. out of the park. Absolutely. Uh, Rage Four way. and. I also wanted to, I had it on here, but we didn't have too much time to go into it, but I should shout out to Gloomwood, which uh, there's some demo stuff out there, and that's looking really awesome as a big fan of the late 90s Thief games. It feels like it's right up my alley, complete with that aesthetic. Uh, that's that's something I'm keeping an eye on for sure. And, uh, you know, there's pl- plenty of other stuff as well. So before we leave, though, I'm just curious, MVG, what what's your thoughts now on E3 as we move forward? Because obviously next year will be different, I think. Uh, but I'm curious, what is your what? Where do you think E3 is going to go from here? Uh, well, I mean, I think you're right, Audi. It's going to go back to you know a fully um, physical event next year at the convention center. And um, look, this year was a rebuilding process for them. You know, obviously last year they didn't even have one. Um, this year they they mounted what they could. Um, I will tell you, I'm not a big fan of the ESA as far as their management, but I mean, I think the event no. itself is important and, you know, it, it needs to continue. Um, so I think they did the best that they could given the situation. And overall, it was fine. You know, it wasn't, wasn't it certainly wasn't, you know, the best E3 or, or anything close to it. Um, but as far as where it goes from here, look, honestly, I just think it goes back to the way it was. You know, next year, I think, they'll they'll schedule it um like they usually do and and kind of try to forget about the last two years and whether that actually works for them is as far as you know publishers jump back on board and and want to spend the the dollars to to set up you know presses and keynotes and stuff 
um does remain to be seen i think they probably will you know video games will always be a, a huge part of of you know many people's lives so i ex- kind of expect it just to continue on you know uh, bigger and better next year yeah my opinion too is that like as soon as the possibilities there they would want to go back to normal and really you know fire in all cylinders on that so i expect a pretty big e3 next year uh but uh, i don't think anyone on this panel is necessarily a huge fan of the dsa no so, certainly uh, not i mean uh but i i hope it comes back though because it, yeah. it is a lot of fun i, well, I miss of i miss cool uh, i miss the people you know the friendships the networking i mean I'll get to see you guys next year um, if it happens. And even, I mean, that alone is is the reason why I want to go, you know. So um, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's everything around the event for, yeah. The, it's for us in the industry. It's very much a way to kind of enjoy ourselves a little bit and kind of reflect, you know. So it's not just about the video games. It's not just about the press. It's also about the people who are there and getting to see each other hug and, you know, appreciate the industry as it is and then the good sides of it for sure exactly especially for those of us that work from home it's a good mm. chance yes. to get out <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to do it for this one so if you made it all all the way to the end well done you earn an achievement it's a virtual achievement so you don't actually get anything for it but nonetheless you can say that you made it post shocky the wolf in the comments to let us know you watched all the way here that's it post shocky the wolf in the comments if you made it this far and uh, we will appreciate that very much. But first, I want to thank uh, MVG for joining us on such short notice. Uh, you made a good Richard Ledbetter replacement. Well, thank you. I, uh, um, you know, again, big, big shoes to fill. And hopefully I did a good job. <laughs> Absolutely. It was perfect. And then, of course, Audie, who's, all, who's always here to help us, which is great. We appreciate it. Uh, it wouldn't be an E3 video without you. So That's true. Not Two anymore, years anyway. now. Right, and hopefully next year as well. We'll see, yep. and maybe we'll have MVG live on one of the shows. Then, oh, that'd be fun. Let's do it. We'll see what happens. Let's do it. Uh, but yeah, if you guys enjoyed this, you know, you know the you know the drill by now. Like, subscribe. That helps the channel. Ring the notification bell for uh, instant updates. Uh, find us on Twitter. Uh, actually, where can they find you on Twitter, uh, MVG? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Modern Vintage G. So uh, I'm pretty active. I usually tweet multiple times a day. So just just hit me up there. Perfect. Uh, And yeah, we will see you next time.